Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now hey everybody this is Paige. i just wanted to let you all know that i am very sorry that the Audio is a little bit off, and it's a little bit different than what we're used to. We had to do things a little bit strange because of the quarantine, and I just wanted to make sure that you all still got an episode out like you're used to. I hope you all enjoy it. Bye. I'll jump in. Okay. Um... Yeah, like I said, I've had it recording just because I get really awkward. And don't be surprised if you hear me yell at Fossa, because he's being a butthead today, and he bit me just for moving my hand. Apparently it disturbed him. (laughs) No, it's okay. Spoiled cat. Luckily, the dogs don't bite. No, they just sniff up skirts. Yep. They're perverts. They're perverts. They're not vicious. Oh, he's I mean, not... only Sam says that. They love the gentleman. Yeah. Uh, he he was very sweet. It was it was Scam that I was like, whoa, hey, hang on. I did try to warn you. You did. I just didn't expect him to go up the back. I told you he would find one up there. I don't know what his problem is, but he just pops right up there. Maybe that's my embarrassing story. My dog is a pervert. That is a great embarrassing story, and I'm probably leaving that in there. <laughs> so but my dog just likes to jump up ladies skirts yeah you know he's thick <laughs> at least he's sort of a gentleman about it <laughs> yeah like he'll let you sniff him and he'll let you pet him first and then he goes yeah yeah so how is quarantine for you you poor thing um it's okay i'm definitely reading a lot more yeah. Because um, I'm not going to work or anything now. Like, I was doing a practicum and it got canceled. And usually with the school year, I mean, in classes, a practicum and a job and a podcast, like, I don't always have time to read like I want to. So yeah. I spent all day today reading the book for tonight's episode. And it was, it made me so happy to just sit there and do nothing but read a book. I am so glad I got to help make you happy. Um, <laughs> by I the way, I do it tomorrow. Like as soon as I finished Beauty and the Beast, I was like, "Do I still have Wild Swans?" Because I read it when I still had Kindle Unlimited, but I got rid of my Kindle Unlimited because with school I wasn't using it very much. Right. So I went on there and I was like, "I'm just gonna buy it." I love this book. I read it like five times, and then I was like, two ninety nine. Of course, I'm just gonna buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> So, hi everybody. As you can hear, we have a guest host <laughs> on today. Um, that Am is I the first guest? You are. Ooh. Yes, we have a first guest. Uh, things have been a little weird with the whole COVID-19 going on. And um, this is Bethany. She is the hi. host. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You can say hi. Oh, hi. I'm Bethany Finger. I'm the host of... Prince Kaisa Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast. She works at the bookstore that I frequent quite a bit. And as soon as the owner heard that I had a pod, well, I wanted to do a podcast and she had a podcast, she was like, You two be friends. And yes, we did. <laughs> yes, she's, she's a wonderful human being. Me or the owner of the bookstore? Both of you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wasn't sure but where you were going far, with that. But by far the best boss ever. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Um, so, we are doing things a little bit different. Um, 
Polly is not here. We have the guest host. I am sitting alone in my bedroom on the phone. This is very awkward. Um, and even the, the podcast itself is going to be a little different. We're going to try something a little bit new. So be sure to let us know what you think. Um, you can, as always, reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram at Booklet Podcast. And then on, um, you can email us at BooklitPodcast at gmail.com. And you want to tell us a little bit about you and your podcast and how we picked this book today? Yeah. So, my podcast is about all the Marissa Meyer books. And I have a different guest every episode, although some of the guests are like repeat guests. They've been there before. And every episode, we talk about the books in order chapter by chapter. So right now we're talking about uh, chapter 22 of Scarlet, which is the second book in the Lunar Chronicle series. Yes, I was on there, was it last week's episode? Yes, I believe you were there for chapters 19 and 20. Yes, and guys, I thought Holly and I got real in-depth into the books. Oh no. (laughs) Bethany definitely gets very in-depth into it, and I loved it. I had so much fun. You should go check out her podcast. I will put a link to it in the comments. Um, so we're, we're, pretty easy, um, we're pretty easy to find, too, because we're the only ones with our names. So if you just Google Prince Kai Fan Pod, you'll get, like, our website, our Patreon, our Apple, our Instagram, everything. Yeah, they are a great podcast. Very entertaining. I love listening to them. So, you're welcome. So today, we're going to be talking about um, a Beauty and the Beast adaptation. It's also called Beauty and the Beast by K.M. Shea. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but it's one of the two. What was that? It's either K M Shea or K M Shea, but I'm not entirely certain which one it is. Oh, well, I'm used to mispronouncing things on this podcast, so that's okay. <laughs> um, um, she writes an entire fairy tale series, though. Um, my favorite of hers from that series is called uh, The Wild Swans, but there are several books in that series, and I think they're all worth taking a look at. Yeah, I read Wild Swans after this because it's the next book in the series, and I, I was hooked. It was so good. I'd never even heard the original fairy tale, but I couldn't put it down. It was so good. I've never heard the original fairy tale for the Wild Swans. That might be why it's my favorite, because everything was so new to me. I can see that. I can see that. But Beauty and the Beast is my favorite fairy tale one of my favorite fairy tales so for that to be the first book in the series made me very very happy i was a happy girl so i'm really glad i'm really glad that you enjoyed the book because it is one of my favorites and rereading it for today's episode i was i was like oh this is just so good it's so good and it's so different from other beauty and the beast retellings and that's what makes it even more entertaining to read yes and i will be starting on the third book probably tomorrow to be honest with you i have no plans. now i can't in... remember is the third book rumpelstiltskin or cinderella to be honest i haven't even looked i was just finishing okay, up there's one called there's one that's rumpelstiltskin and then one that's cinderella and the colonel i think they're both really good yeah i haven't even looked i've been reading my quote-unquote at home book so <laughs> i wanted to finish that before i started another one so, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a glass of Prosecco. Yeah, I love Prosecco, and I wish I had some. I made some kind of weird concoction. Um, I was going for a Beauty and the Beast themed drink, because um, normally I do themed drinks for every book, but I'm kind of working with what I had on hand. So, I mixed a little bit of cranberry juice and some rum and some... Uh, peach schnapps and then I poured this rosé hard cider canned stuff on top and it's it's okay it's probably not my favorite drink I've ever made but it's not bad 
And it's got it a really... It sounds more like uh, it's inspired by desperate 20-something high school party kind of thing. But... <laughs> like I said, I'm working with what I got. <laughs> I would say a really good pairing would probably be like a rosé. Well, that's kind of why I, it, it's a rosé hard cider, so, but I didn't have any, I don't have any wine, which is very sad because I always have wine, but uh, it's okay. I'll be fine. It's got a lot of alcohol in it, so it's going to hit me really good. Well, that part's nice, I guess. Yes. Okay, so did you want to read the uh, foreword for the book or do you want me to do that? Oh, I can read it. Is that the thing that's in the notes, right? Yes. Okay. Ooh, I'm so excited. I hope I, I, hope I do a good job reading aloud for people. It's like, like English class or something. <laughs> you can't do any worse than I did last week. I read a section from uh, Crazy Rich Asians, and I messed it all up, so it's fine. <laughs> as long as you can read, you'll do better than I did. Okay. Once upon a time, Elle made a mistake. A small miscalculation sends her through the roof of an enchanted chateau. Stranded until her broken leg meant, Elle is forced to rely on the goodwill of the sour chateau owner, the cursed Prince Severin. Prince Severin, the commanding general and staunch supporter of his brother, the crown prince, is cursed to look like a beast until a maiden falls in love with him. However, he has given up all hope of shattering the curse after several painful and failed attempts to break it. As such, he has only disdain for Elle, leaving her to the devices of his bossy servants. This suits Elle perfectly as she dislikes the entire royal family, Severin included. Unfortunately for the unsuspecting pair, the Chateau's servants are determined to break the curse and spend the majority of their time pushing Elle and Severin together. After bonding over gardens, animals, and terrifying squirrels, <laughs> Alan Severin shows signs of friendship, and perhaps something more. But not all love stories can end that easily. After all, Al is not what she seems, and Severin's life is placed in danger when hostilities flare between his brother and the monarchs of a neighboring country. If they really want the love of a lifetime, Al, a loyal liar, and Severin, an indifferent beast, will have to use every trick they know to survive. So, kind of have your basic... Beauty and the Beast story, Cursed yeah. Prince, um, has to live alone with his servants, who I really liked the, the, not that I liked the curse on the servants, but I like how they did that. It's so, there's so many things about this book that are so unique, even though it's Beauty and the Beast. The fact that it's not her father, like, abandoning her at the castle of a wayward beast, it she falls through the ceiling when she's basically trespassing that's so unique and then like you said the servants they're not you know humans that were turned into household objects they're humans that can't speak yep can't talk and their faces are covered in what i imagine to be kind of like a doctor's mask from the middle ages so that's what i was thinking too and then i got really confused because a couple of times it talks about like their smile and them eating and I couldn't figure out how they were you could see their mouth if it was covered so then I reread the description again and it's more like a Zorro's mask okay so it covers their forehead down to right above their lips and I was like oh. yeah I was like oh that makes so much sense and I get it now well, <laughs> That does make more sense, yeah. And, you know, I actually kind of like that better because then it explains why people were so frightened of their appearance. Right, because the, the townspeople are terrified of them and they're frightened of the servants, not just of Prince Severin, which I found interesting because normally it's the scary beast that scares everybody. I think that's one of the things I love the most about this book and then the other books in this series is that yes it's the stories we love and know and we grew up with but it's not the way that you expect them to be told like yes there's a beast and there's a beautiful maiden and circumstances that brought them together but everything else is very different yeah and that's that's why I love fairy tale adaptations because you can 
take the story that's familiar and that's comforting in its familiarity, but do it so different and make it new and exciting to read. Yeah, I love the manipulation of the, you know, like I said, it's the classic characters and the classic tale, but everything else is different. That's something that K.M. Shay or Shaya, <laughs> that's something she does really well in all of these stories is that she manages to keep that familiarity that we love so much, but make it new and exciting in a way that, you know, we don't actually expect the ending. I was I've read this book before, and I remember getting closer to the end and being like, oh, wait, do they not end up together? Did I forget that somehow? <laughs> because the way that she told the story, I actually cried at one point reading this book, and I was like, man, I feel so overwhelmed right now. Oh, I did too. And I was bawling like I a baby at one point. I was not expecting it. Yeah, it was beautifully written. Like, I adored the way it was written. Um, and I like how she worked around with the servants not being able to talk how they had carried around the slates and wrote messages to each other. And it was always in italics, so you knew that they weren't actually speaking, but that's how they were communicating. Yes, and then when Elle pretended she was a villager, and she couldn't and read. <laughs> and so they sat down to teach her how to read. That was so Which cute. I think, I think they probably realized that she had been fibbing, because otherwise there's no way she could have learned how to read that well that short amount of time. I don't know, like, um, Emily, her, um, handmaiden is not the word I'm looking for. What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, see, I pronounced it Emil. Oh, you did? Yeah, I liked it as Emil. It's not spelled like Emily, it's just slightly different, so I was like, I want it to be something different, so. I can see how it would be Emil, too. Yeah, it's E-M-E-L-E, so. I was like, Emil, okay, like Emily, but without those. Right. But she seemed to be, she is definitely the romantic of the servants. And I didn't picture her as all that bright. Like, she seemed like the the pretty ditzy girl. So I see, I saw her as being like, oh my goodness, look, I taught her how to read so fast. I'm such a good teacher. Yeah, I also see her as, like, very doteful. And so that would that would ring very true to her character that she's just like look at me I'm so impressive I taught this poor peasant girl with her broken leg how to read look at my good services that I've done yes especially after hearing her her full life story before we get to the end of the the book when we find out that she used to be beautiful and that you know she thwarted the advances of men that she thought were beneath her like Martha Gardner and that her family disowned her when she was no longer beautiful and I definitely got that impression of her that like anything that she did that wasn't associated with how she looked she took a lot of pride and joy in yes so who was your favorite servant um I guess we'll we'll make it who was that Duvall the barber surgeon yes he, he really he really wanted Elle to stay, but he never lied to anybody. He never tried to manipulate the situation. He was just like, okay, look, like, yes, technically she could leave in three weeks, but, oh, you see. know, like, I felt like he was very honest, but he still, he obviously still had the intention of trying to Get help them these two people stay together. See, I saw him, yes, he was very honest, but very manipulative in the way that he did things like not in a bad way just oh well she can't travel right now she can't stand so she'll it'll be two or three weeks in the cast but she'll need to be here for six months and then prince severin was like uh three months and he said okay yeah <laughs> three Which months is good yes he was he's just very much the matchmaker and he he made the situation work for what he needed it to, and it was just precious and adorable. What was, who was your favorite of the servants? Um, uh, ooh. I want to say probably Duval just off the top of my head for much of the same reason, but because I don't like having the same as somebody else, I will probably go with Mark. I yeah, like, Mark's a good guy. I liked how he was very focused on, Mark is the gardener, 
and he's very focused on all of the plants and making all the plants grow and all of that and then Prince Severin comes and helps him but Mark was so clueless about uh, Emile's attention to him and her crush on him and it was so cute <laughs> I also got the like the appearance of him being kind of like a, uh, a gentle giant sort of <laughs> figure he's this big burly man who works outside all the time and is like tan from being outside and he's got this crazy beard on his face he reminded me of Hagrid what? he reminded me of Hagrid oh I didn't think of that um he reminded me of the brawny paper towel guy (laughs) (laughs) so we totally went two different directions with that flannel shirt and a big beard on his face Oh my goodness, that's funny. That's funny. I can I can see that. I can see that. I guess that would explain her attraction to him. That brawny paper towel guy is kind of cute. Right? Everybody likes a big burly man. <laughs> <laughs> and they do describe him as a bear twice. Twice they describe yes, him as a yes. bear. So what did, do you think was... So I have to ask, because I know I cried. What was the part that made you cry? I want to see if we cried at the same moment. Um, I, so I, I teared up a little bit when he sent her away when he was trying to protect her. But then I bawled like a baby when she had to come back and he realized who she was. Oh. Okay, so all of that definitely got me in the field. But I started crying when her and Oliver were talking after Severin, like, dismissed her. Aww. When she was, like, going on her last mission, and she was telling Oliver, like, I wish everyone would just believe me. I really did love him, and I don't understand why no one would believe me. I'm just so, I'm just so glad all of you are okay, and you get to talk again, and you're free. And I have to take comfort in that. And thank you for looking after my pony. <laughs> and then Oliver was like, I believe you. I know, I'm getting so, like, I'm, like, getting so overwhelmed just thinking about their sweet little friendship. It's so underrated. Yeah, no, I was crying way before that. (laughs) I'm kind of a baby when it comes to stuff like that. Like, I get so emotional. I think I put myself in in the perspective of that person because haven't we all been there when we're telling the truth and for some reason people don't believe us and it's, it's like the most overwhelming feeling in the world because it's like, what could I possibly do to prove my honesty here? Right. And it was so, I, I liked how she did, how both Elle and Prince Severin were thinking that they were the ones that broke the curse. Like, yeah, I liked that too because I think that added, like, I think that adds a really good element to... You know, a lot of times in stories and fairy tales, it's, like, very obvious to the reader that both those people love each other. But it's like, come on, obviously you guys know that the other person loves you. But here in this situation, the use of the word for and that spell made it so that neither one of them could believe the other person's affection. And I thought that was a really interesting way to sort of cause that rift. Because normally... The end of Beauty and the Beast is when he becomes human and they, you know, live happily ever after. But that's not the case in this book. Right. It was almost like that's almost the beginning of the trouble is when he when he finally becomes human is when things really start to fall apart. And it really humanized it for me because, of course, we're each going to see things from our own perspective. So, of course, Elle is thinking of, you know, I broke the curse. Why can't he see that I loved him and it broke the curse? And he's thinking, well, I fell in love with her, and that broke the curse, and she lied to me, and I'm a fool. Like, it just, it made it so much well, more not believable. Just him, because his servants believed that, too. They oh, yeah. They also believed that his love is what broke the curse, not their mutual affection for each other. Right. It was just, it was, it was so good. Did you I, have a... I, I'm so glad that you like it, because... That's one of the things about recommending books to other people. It's like, as soon as you say, oh, you have to read this book, it's so great. There's like this cloud above your head until they finish reading the book and say, yes, they liked it. Where you're just like, I hope they liked it. I thought it was amazing. (laughs) Maybe I just have really (laughs) weird taste in books. I always have that, like, background anxiety of, 
Oh my goodness, I hope you like it as much as I do, and I hope I don't just have weird uh, preferences. No, I, I completely agree, and I think, I mean, like I said, there's so many things about this particular story of Beauty and the Beast that makes it so unique. And, you know, I have to say, I love um, Lucian because I felt like he was a huge red herring the whole book. I was like, this guy's gotta be like sketch, right? Like, what's he up to? But no, he's just kind of beautiful and stupid. And See, and that's why I didn't like him. On his brother. That's why I didn't like him because. I felt like he should have been doing more, and he's just like, oh, everything will work out. I want to attack that country. <laughs> well, I, I I, just, for some reason, I felt like he was a red herring. Like, for some reason, even reading it this time, even though I read it before a couple years ago, I was like, he's the bad guy, right? Like, there's something sketchy about Lucian that he's doing to, like, force Sever to stay a cat or something. I don't know. For some reason, I got this impression that he was the bad guy. And I got to the end of the book, and I was like, that's actually a really good red herring because you focus on that sometimes, and you don't realize the other surprises. Like, were you surprised when you realized that she was the ranger, or did that click really early for you? Oh, I, I knew the whole time. Well, I suspected. Okay. I suspected. When they're in that meeting, and he keeps talking about how ranger whatever her number is, is out of service. and she, I, I think it's 78. Um, yeah. I, and then at first, like from the very beginning, I thought she was a spy for the other country. And then when he kept talking about how Ranger 78 was busy and on assignment, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I bet you that L is that Ranger. Yes, I thought that too, especially because, like, the dagger that she was found with, the way people kept showing up to talk to her, how she knew more than she was supposed to about the crown and the the country. Yeah. I did find it very interesting the way that they, the way that she wrote the book so that Severin was also the bad guy because, you know, he was like, she's a secret agent for my brother. Oh, she was a spy the whole time. And as it turns out, it's actually him. He's the reason that she even works there. And he drew out her contract repeatedly so that she would stay because he thought she was a good employee. Like, that was a twist I definitely didn't expect. And I liked it because, it, you know, you're supposed to feel all of the sympathy for the Beast because, oh, he got cursed. And you kind of turn, you, you see how conflicting it would be for her to fall in love with him. And I, I enjoyed that very much in the book when she's like, how is he nice to me? He is a jerk. Like, I don't like him. But right, he's okay like, to assume being, And she even, she asked him repeatedly, why are you being nice to me? Why are you being so kind? And he's like, well, I'm just such a good guy. And in her head, she's like, no, motherfucker, you're the one that signed away my life. Like <laughs> Multiple times. Like, <laughs> you kept screwing me over. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that. So did you have a least favorite character? Ooh. Maybe Heloise because I don't understand her purpose. The I'm drawing a blank on who that was. She's like the kitchen maid, right? Heloise. Oh, 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 oh. No, I saw her as not so much the kitchen maid, but as like the um the head of the house servants. Oh, okay, yeah, head of household, I get it. I just felt like her purpose, her character shows no purpose. And then I didn't like the way that she snapped on Elle and judged her so quickly in the kitchen. Like, she had never spoken to Elle ever, never given her more than, like, a nice stare. And then the one time that they, like, have a conversation, by conversation, I mean, like, you know, writing and talking and stuff. But the one time they have a conversation, she's basically like, you're a bitch if you don't love our boss. Okay, oh. so girl is right. Oh, see, I didn't see it like that. Oh my goodness. See, this is why I love having a co-host because there's you can see so many different viewpoints on the same thing. Um, I saw that whole interaction as so she lost her husband, right? That she had yeah. loved deeply. And so she's watching L and she thinks that L isn't wanting to fall in love with the beast because of the way he looks not because of the fact that he was 
the reason that she is an indentured servant. And so she's telling Elle things that I tell people all the time. Love isn't about the butterflies in your stomach and the, oh my goodness, he's so cute. Love is the waking up next to each other every day, taking care of them when they're sick, making breakfast when you don't want to. Like, love is the hard work that you choose to do and not just the mushy feelings. I 100% agree with that. I just felt like it came out of left field, and I felt like the way that she delivered it to Elle was very, like, I felt like it was an attack. I felt like that at first until we found out that she, right before the curse, had lost her husband. And she's never had a chance, not had a chance, but she's never healed from that. And so she's... Not that she should have to. No, no, no. She just, she's still in that place of hurt and I wish I had the man that I loved and here you are with a man who is falling in love with you and... You're not taking advantage of it. Right. Okay, you've changed my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but I like your like, viewpoint too. Like, I like well, that. Well, I just, I felt maybe because I was on Elle's side so much throughout the book, obviously, because she's the protagonist, right? But I just felt like it came out of nowhere. Like, she never talks to her and then all of a sudden she's like, telling her off and then she like throws her slate on the ground and leaves and it's like okay nice talking to you (laughs) thanks bitch (laughs) so I just it felt like such an attack out of nowhere and it's not that I disagreed with what she was saying because I wholeheartedly agree with what she was saying though I think that it's a mix of the two I've I've been with my husband for 10 years and he's a wonderful partner but I do still get butterflies so I don't know that the butterflies are a bad thing but I will say that marriage is a partnership and it doesn't have to be marriage any kind of relationship even friendships like they're a partnership it's give and take you you know I've said this to my husband before that like people often talk about a relationship being 50-50 and I think that it's not 50-50 all the time I think that you know 50-50 means always doing your part you know like when I had my shoulder surgery we weren't 50-50. I had one arm. We were, like, more like 80-20, <laughs> you know? But, but I have my arm back, and now we're back to 50-50. And, you know, if there, if and when there's a time that when Quentin had pneumonia, for example, that was, he was not capable of doing a lot other than laying down and being miserable. So, I mean, I did my 80, and he did 20. And I think that's what a partnership is. It's not everybody has to carry the burden 50% all the time. It's being the person that your other that your partner can rely on to carry that extra burden when you can't. See, and I've always thought, granted, not married, but I've always thought it was more 100-100. And not that everybody has to do everything, but you, each person needs to do 100% of what they're capable of at that time. So while when you had your arm, your shoulder surgery, that was hard to say, wow your shoulder <laughs> surgery, you couldn't, like right? <laughs> um, but when you had that done, you couldn't do what you normally did. You couldn't do a hundred percent of the work, but you still did what you could. Yes. It's not, you didn't just sit back and let him do everything. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> he probably no, wouldn't I, have I minded. I agree. That's, that's what it all boils down to is, is having a part, because there are plenty of people in the world who would not do that for their spouse or their partner. And that's sad, but it's true. And I don't judge other people's relationships, but that's the agreements you guys have come to. And that's what you're happy with. And great. But I like having a partner that I, that can take care of me when I need it. And that I can be there for them when they need it. Because to me, that's why it's not just a marriage. It's not just a relationship. It is a partnership and not everybody views their marriage that way and that's okay everybody has different versions of happiness and love Uh, but for me you know it is like Heloise would say it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies and Taylor Swift songs like sometimes there's going to be some shit going down and you just have to muck it through (laughs) and sing Lizzo instead (laughs) (laughs) so who who is your least favorite of all the characters was it Lucian yes I, I did not like him. I feel like he should have been more upfront who the that L was a ranger. 
But it would have made the story completely different, so I get why he didn't. But yeah, he was definitely my like favorite. The way that he dismissed her so fast. Oh my goodness! Like he was like, "My brother's human. You there, go." Right. Like, like he he knew who she was. He knew that it was her relationship that had broken the curse, and he was still like, "Servant girl, go. Come on, she's a commoner. Seven, she's a commoner." I will say, like, at least he stood by his brother through all of the beastly stuff. Like, he went and got an enchantress to try and help him. And, you know, he he was like, why do you hide yourself? Just make everybody like you anyway. I'll give a shit what you look like. Right? <laughs> I felt like he had his moments, but I also felt like... He was you know, a stupid frat boy? the opinion that he was, like, this gritty blonde jock or something. I'm telling you, I saw him as a frat guy. <laughs> we have beer, we have girls. Make it happen. <laughs> oh, that one didn't work. Let me bring you another. <laughs> yeah, definitely not my favorite, but he had his moments. He had his moments. Um, I guess we've pretty much covered all of the the things. I feel like there was something I wanted to mention, and now I can't think of what it is. Did you have like a favorite part of the book? Oh. Maybe, I mean, there's so many things that I really like about, you know, what I love is when, I love when, you know, he finally comes to the realization of who she is and why she was an indentured servant and not a lapdog, and he's just like, what the fuck, and he's throwing shit around, and he's like, Lucian, explain yourself. I love when he goes after her, and she's basically passed out from freezing to death. And he's like screaming her name, and she's like, oh, "I must be dreaming." <laughs> and then, like next thing you know, he's got her wrapped in his arms and everything. I just thought that was so sweet. Like I can picture her, like barely hanging on, bleeding. Her leg is like basically rebroken. She's freezing to death in a bush, and he's like screaming her name, running through the snow and the fjords and the you know blizzard and. She finally realizes it's him, and she's like, I mean, I hate him, but I love him, so where's my hog? I'm cold. Let's see how high So, I love that, and I loved how, I loved his, like, I am such an ass moment. <laughs> like, when he realized that he's the reason that, like, he doesn't even remember her being a girl. He just remembers this good operative, you know, this good agent, and... He just kept doing things to get her to work longer. And then he was like, I am a dick. I, I am an awful... Great, <laughs> like, what a great twist in the story that was, though. I definitely did not see that coming. Not at all. I, I loved that so much that, like, they were calling her a lapdog and they're so dismissive of her. And then he's just sitting there going through the paperwork and he's like, Okay, so not only was she not lying about being an indentured servant, the, the daughter of a merchant, or that her family lives in the, is like a country folk, but also, I'm the reason that she's a, a secret agent for my brother, and I've manipulated the system so that she can basically never buy out her debts, and will have to work for us forever because I'm a shrewd asshole who only cares about winning wars. It's like, yep, that's you. That's yep. who you are. Yep, that's that's exactly it. Um, and yet she, she knew all of that, and yet she fell in love with him anyway. And she didn't call him on his shit. She wasn't no, she like... she never once called him on his shit. She was never like, you are the reason that I am here, you asshole. She, she just let him be. Let him believe what he wanted to believe, basically. Um, My favorite part was when the village kid was in the tree and was tormenting Emil. Oh, she like threw her crutches. Yes, she <laughs> launched it at him and knocked him out of the tree and threatened him and like, she's such a badass. I love it. I love it. I love the part too with the squirrel. <laughs> with the squirrel bitter. And he's constantly teasing her about nuts. <laughs> and then she keeps teasing him about being a cat. It's, oh. It's so like cute. the ending. Because like I said, normally with Beauty and the Beast, like the ending is he's a human happily ever after. But did you like the very last chapter where it's just this guy like walking by the chateau and they're teasing each other and chasing each other and stuff? Yes. 
And I thought, so I must have like completely misunderstood when I was reading it the first time. Because I read through, I had to read that chapter again. But I thought it was her father. Yeah, I, my first thought was it was also her father, but I think it was just a passerby. And yeah, they're like, they're on horses and they're teasing each other about her turning into a were-squirrel. And... <laughs> and him being it's a cat. So funny. It was just, like, relationship goals right there. <laughs> I know. I love it so much. She's, she's put a stuffed cat in his room, and she's like, what? Cat got inside? <laughs> it's so funny. And I love it, too, because that's the kind of playfulness that, that real love has. And, you know, like we just talked about a little while ago, real love has its ups and its downs and stuff. But I do think that the mark of a good couple, and me and I'm biased by saying this because I have this type of relationship, is that they can play and laugh and have fun but also be serious i mean my husband and i we have serious conversations about our future both as individuals and as partners and then we'll also have random conversations about what do you think is going to happen if there is a zombie apocalypse like they're safe but like which country is going to do this politically for which reason if there's a zombie apocalypse or we'll start going watch Disney movies and have fun that way like I think that it's important in relationships to have those moments where you can have fun and be and tease and joke about things with each other because that's when you're being really yourself. Yeah, I agree. And what, I should have said this earlier when you were talking more about your husband, but what little bit I have seen and heard of about you and your husband or seen the two of you together, like that is relationship goals. You guys are so cute together. <laughs> Thank you. It's so precious, and then, like, you're not, you're not afraid to, like, be your own woman and do your own thing. Like, I love it. It's, it's definite goals right there. Yeah, and luckily, my husband was very supportive of that. When we moving down to the south, I was not expecting as much, um, sort of bias as there is. Because I don't want to call it sexism. I don't think it comes from a place of malice, but... There is this, like, undertone of, what do you mean you're going to school for a bachelor's degree? What do you mean you have a master's degree? What do you mean you have a full-time job? You're married. Like, right. yeah, but, you know, one of his coworkers, when he found out I was working on my master's degree, was like, why? And I don't think he meant it in a malicious way. I genuinely think he was like, why on earth do you need a degree when you're just going to stay home? Right. And then Quentin was like, isn't it great? She's going to get a master's degree, and you know, when I retire, she'll be the one supporting the family, but while she's in school, I'm the one supporting the family, and, you know, this is going to be our way of taking care of each other, and he was just like, you're not going to take care of your woman? <laughs> like, he was baffled by the fact that I was going to go out and get a degree, because to him, that's not something women do. Right. And he was also baffled by the fact that Quentin was going to retire and stop working, and I was going to be the one supporting the family, because to him, you know, that makes Quentin this, this lazy scoundrel that he's not even going to take care of his wife, so... It's just, it is, it is something different for me because I think perhaps because I have a bunch of sisters and my dad raised us a certain way, I never thought of it much as the, like the suffix of you're married, why do you have a job, why do you have a career, why do you have a future, but I've been very lucky I picked a partner who's willing to support me in that. Yeah, that's definitely, um, I won't say necessarily not the norm, definitely not the norm for where we live. I yeah. can say that for sure, but it's it's very refreshing. I like hearing about you and your husband. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like you're talking about your best friend, but in a genuine way, not in a, oh, my husband's my best friend, yada, yada, he's all I need kind of way. You know what I mean? Yeah, we actually really are best friends is the thing. I mean, that's how we fall in love in the first place. And we actually did split up for a while there when he first went into the military. I wasn't ready to walk away from my job and my friends and my family and I was you know in the middle of a scholarship for my degree so I wasn't ready to walk away from that and we took some time apart to really reflect on like okay well we know that we want these things individually for our futures but in order to be as a, the spouse of someone in the military you have to make sacrifices there's no other option so there's a lot of like which one of us is going to give up what and is it worth it for this relationship and we didn't talk for probably two or three months, and the hardest part was that I felt like I didn't have my friend anymore because 
that is my friend. And I, I don't mean friend in the sense of, like you said, like, it's my husband, so it's my friend. I mean, like, something funny would happen, and I'd be like, oh, I want to tell Quentin about this. Nope, we're not talking right now. Or I would be having, like, a bad day, and it's like, man, I wish I could just, like, go for a walk, have a drink, chill out with my friend. Nope, he's not. He's right here. Um, and I know that not everybody has that with their spouse, and I think that's, that's totally fine. Like I said, everybody has their own relationships, but for whatever reason something were to pull us apart we both said multiple times that the thing we would miss the most is that friendship that we have with one another yeah it's just very it's very sweet and very real if that makes sense like it's we're very authentic people (laughs) and you both are that way like it's just ah, it's so great but let's let's back to the book (laughs) Did you have a part, like, from the original story that you missed in this story? I don't think so. I don't think so because I feel like she changed it in so many good ways that it felt like a new version of the story. Almost like a whole new story, right? Yeah, especially with the fact that, like, I mean, like I said, yeah, her father's kind of absent and neglectful but not in the same way her father basically has nothing to do with the story whatsoever so it's not like he just ditched her there i like that she basically fell through the ceiling that's our literal like the first like paragraph of the book is her falling through the ceiling i just felt like so much about this story was so unique the way that they met the reason that she got stuck at the castle wasn't because her father sold her or ditched her there it was because she fell through the ceiling and fractured her femur and couldn't leave right was literally stuck yeah i like that like we talked about before the the household servants weren't turned into these you know objects that were animated as human like they were still human but they were disformed and couldn't speak like what an unusual twist on the story Especially when you consider, like, Lumiere never shut up. <laughs> right? And he's always singing himself. And yeah. it also made it more poignant the way that she was able to communicate with him. Yes, because they were the only two speaking people in the whole castle. I will say another thing that I thought was interesting. A lot of times in Beauty and the Beast, especially the Disney one, there's a moment when the girl goes to the wrong part of the castle. I kept you know that moment I'm talking about, right? Oh, yes. What's and in I the West like, Wing? It's my private room. Don't go. <laughs> right. And I thought this was so... I thought it was so great that that wasn't a thing. Yeah, I... So, obviously, Beauty and the Beast being one of my favorite stories, I don't hold with the whole um, Stockholm Syndrome argument that most people try to give when they're talking about this story but I love how that's not even a an option in this like they have yeah because it's kind of like that's the default of eating the beast is like it's Stockholm syndrome they don't really love each other and that's completely not the case like they she's not there because she can't I mean she's there because she can't leave because she can't walk like not because she's being held prisoner and Severin doesn't really even want her there. He's like, can she leave yet? But, you know, I do think the way that they kind of wore each other down was also really authentic and genuine. You know, they they wore each other down because the, like, you know, like the description said, the servants were pushing them together all the time. But it also, like, the more that they were around each other, the more they realized, like, oh, I also enjoy your company. It's not just that... I have to have dinner with you. It's not just that I have to sit in the study with you. You know, and I think that was made very apparent when she started falling asleep. Yeah. Because I think I think that's the mark of a trustworthy relationship with anyone, you know, friendship or otherwise, is when you're finally when you can fall asleep around them. Because being asleep is, is when we're the most vulnerable. We can't do anything to defend ourselves. And even if you think of it in another term, it's like, we, we might be gloomy or our hair's all messy or we snore really loud or something. And that's just a really vulnerable time. And that first moment when they're in the study and he's working on stuff and she just kind of falls asleep, I was like, yep, she's definitely 
comfortable around him, not just in the sense that, like, okay, we have to share this space and survive, so you be nice and I'll be nice, but, like, she really was comfortable around him. Yeah, I thought the same thing, and about her falling asleep in his presence, I had this same thought of, you know, that means a lot, because it's very hard for me to fall asleep, period, but around anybody, I, I wouldn't sleep. And the fact that she was able to just eventually relax to the point where she was falling asleep. And there was one instance where they're in the study and she's got her head in his lap and he's just playing with her hair. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so sweet. And can you imagine how that would feel with the tips of his little cat claws (laughs) on her scalp? (laughs) What I thought was really sweet about that moment is that it was absent. He wasn't even really aware that he was doing it. Yeah, he was kinda just... Kind of like, like how you pet a dog. Yeah. Yeah, it was so cute. Especially with him being the one who's animal-like. And he was just, just petting her head while he was reading his paper. <laughs> yes. Now, having read the second book now, because you've read The Wild Swans, mm-hmm. not to give too much away, but... Did you, what did you think of all the little clues about the wild swans in this book? Did you think that that was really cool? Did you think it was, like, not really noticeable? No, I really like how it seems like they're going to tie all of the books together. I love series that do that where they're separate books all on their own, but the stories all go together. And they take place in the same, like, universe. Yes. So I'm really excited about that. I can't wait to read the third one. Yes, and I love that about this series, and I love that um, the Enchantress kind of plays her own role in every story. Yeah, I can't wait to see what else she has, what other parts she has. I'm excited. What did you think of the mountain hag? Because I thought that was so unique. Like, they basically mentioned it like it was a goat or something, like the mountain hag. (laughs) Um, I found it was a very unique way to bring in the danger of the situation. But, I don't know. I don't feel like it was, I feel like it was more of a tie-in for the second book than needed in the first book. You know what I mean? Mm, Yeah, I can see that. So that, basically, it it kind of replaced the, the part of the wolves in the Disney story. Right. But she was already starting to like him, so they didn't need that moment. You know what I mean? I felt like it was also... It was a reminder of certain things. It was a reminder of you're in a world where magic and curses exist. And there's more that can be sacrificed than your life. Oh, that's true. That's true. Because that was, that was the whole thing. It wasn't that he was willing to, to you know, save her, protect her. It was that he was willing to go through a curse worse than the one he was already in in an effort to protect her. Yeah, I thought it was a really good reminder of, like, there are things that are worse than death. Yeah, that that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no, I, but I also like how it kind of played into the second book when they're talking about how, again, not to give too much away, but they're talking about how there's more magic in the kingdoms and. Um, and how the magic is, like, spreading. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I really liked that. I did too. And one of the things I think is great about this author is the way that she's able to connect these stories without making it necessary. Like, you could easily read any book in this series in any order you want, and it'll make 100% sense. Oh, yeah. It'll have no open-ended questions. You won't be wondering one thing or the other. But they do all have these ways that they connect to each other, and I think that's really cool because it, there's not a lot of series like that where you can just grab any any number and it's a complete story without getting some kind of, what, who's this person we don't know anything about? No, she made sure that you know who every character is, but there's also this element of, like, but they are all connected somehow. Right. 
yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed this. Like I said, can't wait to read the rest of the series. Um, I'm so excited for you to read the rest of the series too because I I love it so much and I think it's such an underrated series. Um, I can't wait until we record the Wild Swans because I have so many opinions. So many yeah, thoughts. I, <laughs> I have so many opinions about that book. I, it is definitely my favorite by her. Um, and it's probably one of my favorite stories overall because, like I said, I'm not familiar with the original. So pretty much everything about that story was, like, brand new to me. Yeah, I have so much to say, and I can't wait to record that. So with that being said, guys, make sure you go and... Uh, subscribe to the Prince Kai fan pod. I did say that right, right? right? Yes, Prince okay. Kai fan pod. I always think I'm forgetting it's, something. It's a, play on the word, it's a play on words for Prince Kai fan club. Right. <laughs> um, but go and subscribe because yours truly will be on there talking about uh, wild swans. So you don't want to miss it. Um, as you know, I'm quite opinionated, so... You were were on episode 43, I believe, where we talked about Scarlet. Yes. She's my my girl. You'll come on again, I'm sure. You'll come on again for chapter discussion in the future. So if you don't want to miss out on anything, go and follow them. You want to tell them where they can find you? Uh, You can find the podcast everywhere at Prince Kai Fan Pod. So we're, uh, you can Instagram stressing out and I've asked you a question and you're like oh this is how you do it and I'm like oh I'm stupid yep. and you know what? <laughs> I'm super happy to help because when because we're I'm approaching my first year with the podcast my one year anniversary um and for the first like six months which I think is painfully obvious if you listen to the audio for our first like two episodes um I was just like stumbling in the dark and there was no one to ask like ask questions and I couldn't figure anything out and so it's all trial and error so I am more than happy to help save someone else that stress if I can. Yes. Any of the semi-decent audio that you all hear from my podcast is because this beautiful (laughs) woman right here sent me a whole page of this is what you want to do. (laughs) Oh. Happy, happy to help. So is there anything else that you want to go over? Uh, just read Marissa Meyer books, and I hope you like my podcast. <laughs> yeah, how often do you all uh, put out episodes? So I have a different guest every week, and I post an episode every Monday morning. But every if Monday. you join Patreon, you get the episode Saturday night. See, one of these days when I get my life together, not only will we have a Patreon, but I will have the episodes edited to where I will have an early release date. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it changes your schedule quite a bit, but I know that our patrons really love it, or I know that my patrons really love it, so I wholeheartedly am happy to get it done a little bit early, but I also have, I've made it in my schedule so that I'm always one episode ahead, because I never want to miss a week. Yeah, when I when I did that, I had my hard drive go out of my computer, so... But hopefully soon I'll be getting a new one, and I'll have no more problems, and it'll be great. I'm excited. I'm excited for you, too, and maybe maybe someday the quarantine will be over, and <laughs> you and I can go have supper and record an episode together and catch us, and yes, I and hope that everyone is staying safe and healthy and practicing social distancing. Doing the best that I can. I still have to go to work because I am essential, but... Uh, I am staying as away from people as I can. It's driving me absolutely crazy. I did not realize I was such an extrovert until I was not allowed to be around people. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm still getting out of the house and walking around the neighborhood, and even that, it feels like, is, is, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm whiny, but I don't want to be complaining. Like, I'm very happy and very grateful that I live at a time when staying in my home is allowed, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, because there, you know, there was a time when that wouldn't have been the easiest thing in the world. Um, and I'm grateful that myself and especially my family is still safe. My sister Lindsay is essential, so she's still working. Both my parents are nurses, so not only are they working, they're on the front line. Oh my so goodness! I'm grateful that everybody is is safe um, and happy and healthy, but it, it definitely makes you go a little stir crazy. So I'm enjoying reading. I sit outside the backyard and read all day with the dogs. Oh, see, I would love to do that. However, my neighbors all, because I live in an apartment, they all sit outside in groups, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> do you guys not understand social distancing? No, no, they do not. You live in an apartment. Yeah. So something I used to do when I was, like, going through moments where I wanted to be extroverted, but for one reason or another was trapped, I used to like to rearrange my apartment. Um, I haven't quite gotten there, but I'm about <laughs> to. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's just something I used to like to do. And I did that a lot when I was, like, in junior high or high school, too. Like, I would get grounded, I'd be like, fine. And I would just, like, put on music and decide, like, okay, I'm just going to rearrange my entire bedroom. Yeah, luckily with me still working somewhat... I come home and on Saturday, I have to make myself get up out of bed because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely living in the, like, uh, t-shirt life somehow. Yeah. I, I, I was told Quentin, I was like, I'm so accomplished today. I took a shower and put on clean PJs. I'm still wearing PJs, but they're clean and I showered. Hey, I am proud of you. That, I'm uh, proud of me, too. That is more than I'm some very- people did today. I wasn't going to say who some people were. (laughs) Well, to be fair, he is essential, so he's still going to work Monday through Friday, um, and even sometimes on the weekends. So if he wants to be in PJs on his one day off, go for it. Yeah, that's basically how I feel about it. Like, I'm still working Monday through Friday, and I'm still having to deal with customers, and I'm having to deal with because I work in a bank, we're having to deal with all of these people who are frustrated because they're not working and they need money and, you know, it's just not a good time for anybody and I like to hide in my cold little cave. Well, and I would say this too, like, if anybody is looking, if anyone listening is like, what am I going to do? I recommend this series and I recommend Marissa Meyer and if you, um, go on good you know i recommend people looking up good reason trying to find stuff your local library probably has an app um they're usually called overdrive there's another one called kuklaw uh where you can check out books and audiobooks and things like that on your phone or your kindle um if you like podcasts obviously i want you to listen to mine but um (laughs) there's one called uh ya book chat with leah stoller and she discusses uh different young adult books every episode um, the Real Weird Sisters is a Harry Potter podcast that's really funny. Best of Friends is a uh, Friends podcast with TV show Friends, and it's really good. Um, so just try and find something to keep yourself busy. I What I like about podcasts, and this is probably because I am an old spouse and we do move a lot, and it takes a while to make friends when you move, is I feel like I have friends and they just can't hear me. That's... I've- said that quite often like some of my best friends don't even know I exist (laughs) (laughs) that's that's what a podcast is it's just you and your friends talking and other friends listening and I feel like that when I listen even before I started my own podcast like one of the reasons I started my own podcast is because of stuff like that and that's definitely something I still feel when I listen to other podcasts like I'm the quiet person in this conversation but it, it brings me back to human civilization and contact in a way that I don't think would be possible otherwise. I completely agree. Well, we are about at the uh, the hour mark. We're a little bit past. Okay. So, yeah, I was 
really surprised. I was a little worried we wouldn't have as much to talk about with this because we're not, we didn't go through and retell the story like Holly and I usually do because it's Beauty and the Beast. We all know the story and we want you to go read it because this is probably my favorite version of the story. I'm just going to go out there and say it. I'm so happy to hear that. Yes, it is my favorite. I do miss the fact that Elle was not a bookworm because I do identify greatly with Belle because of that. But it made up for it. But they did make her, like, she wasn't a bookworm, but he did make her a highly intelligent and valuable person based off of her intellect. And I thought that was great. Yes. Because she's one of the few females in this very obviously male-dominated, not just career field, but society. And she was valuable not because of anything that had to do with being a female, but because of how extremely intelligent she was. Yes. And so, like, she's not a bookworm, but she is very smart, and she does get that credibility. I, I do love the fact that they made her, like, this brilliant badass who was so good at her job that Severin didn't even remember that it was a woman. Yeah. Yeah, that was a wonderful moment of the series. But uh, we're going to go ahead and say goodnight. Again, you can find um, us online, not online, words. You can find us on social media at book club. Wow, I don't even know the name of all my stuff. You can find them on social media at Booklet Podcast. <laughs> this happens when I, when I drink. Holly usually has my back because my brain stops working. Yeah. We I got are, you. <laughs> we are at Booklet Podcast uh, at gmail.com. And then on social media, Booklet Podcast for um, Instagram and Facebook. I am actually just got on TikTok, so if you are on TikTok, you can find a few very bad videos. Uh, just look for Paige Turner. Um, yeah, so that's about it. Everybody, stay inside, stay safe, and happy reading. Bye. 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 Okay, don't hang up, though. <laughs>